0: Hello, this is the first episode, not the first recording, but the first official episode that'll be posted, of the Most Valuable Podcast. Yes, I know the audio quality's probably gonna suck doo-doo, um, but you know what, I'm working with what I got, I just wanted to ramble on a little bit about the NFL, because... You know, it is a sports podcast. I hope to talk about sports with a lot of people and to a lot of people and hopefully have some interviews and special guests and whatnot. But I just want to have a bit of a stream of consciousness. Is that the word? I don't even know if that's the right phrase to be using right now. But just have a, you know, have a discussion, have a platform to talk about my opinion on football, basketball, whatever sport, esports, even whatever the hell. And I guess today's a good way. To, I mean, a good way to start is by talking about sports a good way to start talking about sports is by talking about football, because right now, football is in the thick of it. The swing of things right now. And, you know, I quite like football. I quite like this season. A lot of people don't like it, because obviously everyone's just mad about the rule changes, and yada, 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 it's not even football anymore. Who cares? Get, you know, get yourself together. It's still the sport that we love. They're still throwing of football through the air. They're still running hard. It's still a great game, right? And sorry about the sniffling, by the way. I have been a little bit under the weather. But, you know, we we talk about football as a sport of, you know, such hard contact and you have to be such a physical athlete. Yet, no matter how many times they make rules that you don't really need to be as much as you used to, People still think that's the most important thing. And it's just there's so many conflicting opinions on how football should be and how football players are and whatnot. But I think the real story of this season is kind of how normal it feels. Like, we're in a pandemic. And no matter what your opinion is on the masks or whatever your opinion is on COVID as a, as a whole, it feels so normal that we have a... You know, a sport that we all love. Sorry about the burp if you guys heard that. Good grief. It feels so normal, though, that we have a sport that we all know and love still continuing to happen despite everything that's been going on. And, yes, there's been issues with it, but they've resolved them. Like, there's been many issues. There have been players that opted out. Players are getting COVID or coming close to contact with people that had COVID or had contact with people that had COVID. Or there's false positives, false negatives, everything. And that's really hurt the sport, but it's still a great sport. And it's still the sport that we all love. And with the with basketball wrapping up not that long ago and seemingly starting up pretty soon. With baseball wrapping up not that long ago and starting up not in like, you know, that long from now. Um, with NASCAR, if you're a NASCAR fan, they're starting up before too long. And NASCAR is one thing I do want to talk about at some point, because, dear God, they're about to do something so much fun, and I do consider that a sport, so don't even hit me with that. (laughs) Um, you know, the NFL really just makes everything feel more normal. That, the UFC, boxing, like, those things all being around still, because they can, makes it feel so normal. And then the bubble, the bubble for NBA did not make it, or for the NHL both, did not make it feel normal, because it really just felt like, what is this? This is so weird. But... College football and the NFL being back makes everything feel normal. And, dude, at at this point in the year, we're about midseason. This is the perfect time for me. If I really wanted to make predictions on the year, I could have. But I didn't know that I was going to be making a podcast until – or I didn't think I was going to make a podcast until too late to make predictions before the year started. So I guess I'll just make midseason predictions of who I think – are going to be not just... I'm going to make about probably four or five different predictions, but I'm going to make a few. My two Super Bowl teams, the team that I think is going to win, the MVP, and then probably just talk about some other awards, Coach of the Year, whatnot, my midseason predictions. And I might even... You know what? On the fly here, I'm going to go ahead and give out a few midseason awards myself. So the right now, let's just talk about the number one team in the league in terms of record is the Steelers. My AFC Super Bowl prediction is actually not the Steelers. It is the Kansas City Chiefs. And I've been saying that since before week one. I've been saying that since before the you know preseason even got canceled. The Chiefs somehow managed to maintain as good of a roster as they had last year when they won the Super Bowl despite having to pay people. They pulled it off. Now, do I think that they can continue to pull it off for years and years and become a dynasty? No. I think after this year, they're going to start struggling more because sooner than later, Andy Reid's going to want to retire. And if they win another championship, he might just do it. So that's going to be a big blow to them, and I think that'll really hurt their future. But what I really like about the Chiefs this year is, like I said, they're just. Patrick Mahomes is having as good of a year as ever and he's going to continue to have great seasons, and he's going to continue to be a great quarterback. Really, the only question mark with them is their defense, but I don't think it really matters that much when your offense can put up that many points a game. And that's what we saw last year. So I really, I trust the Chiefs still to make it. I don't trust the Steelers anymore. At first, when their winning streak started, I trusted them a lot, and then they almost got beat by the Cowboys, and they... Yeah, you, know, you look at their strength of schedule so far, it hasn't been too great, and they haven't really been dominating anybody. I think the Steelers are a top three team in the league, but I think they're that third team. I don't think they're the top two teams. I think they're that third team that's not going to make it in. As of right now. My NFC prediction... Everybody wants to go with Tampa still, like they did at the beginning of the year, because Tom Brady, and Tom Brady's a winner and, what, and whatnot. That team is so easily beatable because their offensive line isn't phenomenal. Their weapons are good, but their weapons are stoppable because they don't have any... I think people forget that even Antonio Brown, Like their three main weapons before Antonio Brown were like on paper were supposed to be Gronk if he plays to his fullest, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. But I don't think people remember, Evans is a tall, physical type of guy. And if you can put a bigger corner on him that can stay in front of him... He's not going to be able to do anything. He's not going to be able to outrun him. So his size kind of becomes less of a factor if he gets, you know, locked up. Chris Godwin is kind of one of those guys that's more of like an average, like not too fast, not too big. like not, Not so big, not so fast, but definitely good enough size and good enough speed. Really good hands. Kind of a good, you know, just a good route runner, just a smart receiver. Nothing crazy in any department. So he's also a guy that you can put a speedster on him as a corner. And D him up okay, but then the high-pointed balls, he's going to have a hard time or whatnot. You know, you can kind of get the gist there. Gronk, I knew was going to be bad at first. I just had a hunch. There's no way that a guy comes back after the amount of injuries that he's had and being retired for a couple years. There's no way that he comes back and plays amazing football from the jump. (laughs) But then there's obviously the idea that Gronk could be a good blocker for that team. And Leonard Fournette coming in definitely helped that because he has a decent running back still. They have a decent running game. It's just, it's all so dependent on guys that can be stopped because Tom Brady can be stopped at this point. He doesn't make amazing throws every time anymore. He throws interceptions. He makes bad reads. He makes bad throws. It happens now. It never used to happen, but it happens now. So I think they can be stopped very easily. My pick isn't the Saints either because I feel like Drew Brees, there's some locker room issues with Michael Thomas. Drew Brees isn't, you know, he's going to get beat by teams that play, that just play really like, he's going to get beat by teams that play really like cover one football, I feel like, because as long as you watch that, you know, the intermediate level, middle of the field, he's not going to have any options yeah, at this point in his career. I think it has to be the Seahawks that make it out of the NFC at this point. Like, the 49ers and the Packers had a game recently where the Packers looked dominant. Now, the 49ers lost a lot of their starters, and they're going to not be great this year just because of that alone, but the Packers are a team that I would really put my money on if they just had a better run defense, and I don't think they're going to be able to fix that run defense by the end of this year. They let Blake Martinez go for little to no reason. They just kind of have bad decision-making in terms of team-building. And it's really kind of... You have a top-five quarterback in the league, which means that it should be go-time on winning a championship, but they think the team that they've built is go-time to win a championship whenever it's really not. They're probably one or two you know, really good linebackers away. They have to have at least one, if not two, before you can really consider them a championship team. The Seahawks... Are another example of a team that are just poor defensively, but Russell Wilson is making so many great decisions. DK Metcalf is has taken a leap. He's taken the leap that we all hoped he would. Tyler Lockett didn't get traded, so we know that he's going to be a good piece for them. Like I, it's either the Seahawks or the Packers, and my money would be on the Seahawks now. But the and Jamal Adams is about to come back from injury because he was out for a few games. He's going to be a big, you know, important piece to that defense. As the season wears on, and whenever he gets his first bit of like playoff experience, he'll probably be pretty great. It's either the Seahawks or the Packers at this point for me, and I think it's going to be the Seahawks. And I think if that matchup happens, I think the Chiefs go back to back. I don't see a world where the Seahawks defense can stop the Chiefs enough for Russell Wilson to win. But I think that'd be one of the best matchups we could possibly have in terms of a great football game. Like I think it'd be one of the most entertaining football games. Probably of all time. Now, the other... Now, my Dark Horse candidates for each division, I would say for the NFC, my Dark Horse is... I mean, I'm not going to say Green Bay or New Orleans or Tampa are Dark Horses necessarily. I guess my Dark Horse pick would probably be the Cardinals because the Cardinals are probably going to make it in as, a, as one of those wildcard teams that there's an extra wild card team in every... In each conference, there's a wildcard team. There's seven teams in the playoffs now for each conference. I feel like they're a team that, now that they brought in DeAndre Hopkins, they just look so much better than they did. And it's so crazy how one wide receiver, granted, top three in the league, one wide receiver can change an entire like team's outlook, but they have three really good wide receivers now. They're tight end positions solid. Kyler Murray is a top 10 quarterback this season. I don't know if he's a top 10 quarterback talent-wise, but he's been a top 10 quarterback this year. And I don't think there's any debating that. The way that the dude plays, he's so... He runs so smart, because he's a former baseball player. He slides every time. He doesn't get hit too much. He's perfect for what he needs to be. He throws the ball really well. He has good touch on the ball. He's a good... He's a really good quarterback. Now, do they need... Do they need a better running game? Probably. But they basically stole DeAndre Hopkins from the Texans, and they look phenomenal with him. Um, and DeAndre Hopkins had a really bad couple of games, and he's still fifth in the league in receiving yards. He hasn't really had that breakout. He hasn't really had a standout game since, like, the first... I think it's been two or three weeks since he had, like, a big game, and he's still fifth in the league in receiving yards because that's how many great games that he had in a row there to start the year. Um, For the... You know, for the AFC, I guess, I mean, the Bills and the Titans really aren't dark horses either because they're probably winning their divisions, but I almost look at the Bills as a dark horse because I feel like the Titans last year, because they made the divisional or because they made the conference championship game, kind of earned the respect that they kind of deserved as that playoffs went on. And now this season, we all kind of know that they're great. The Bills haven't gotten there yet, so I don't think people are giving them the respect they deserve. They just destroyed the Seahawks in this last game without even trying to run the football. And the Seahawks, their strength right now as a team is by far against the pass because that's where they have their superstar players at. That's where they have Quandre Diggs and Jamal Adams. I believe Jamal Adams is still injured. That's where they have Quandre Diggs, and that's where Bobby Wagner is absolutely more of a coverage guy compared to, like, a pass rusher. So, really, he kind of, you know, helps... I mean, he helps a lot in the coverage game over the middle sometimes. He has quite a few interceptions on his name for that reason. (laughs) Dude, Josh Allen just had a day against them. Like, he just had a field day. It was almost impossible to stop him. And defensively, they held the Seahawks, I believe, 24 or 27. Something like that. And the defense is obviously in Buffalo... You have Tradavius White, who I, who I love. I think he's one of the best corners in the league. One of the funniest guys in the league. Their pass rush is okay. Like, they have a really, really solid defense for what they need to be. Because their defense doesn't need to be great. Their defense needs to be good enough that Josh Allen can be on the field. Like, as much as possible. Because Josh Allen is a real star. I think... I think the Bills are going to be my dark horse team for the AFC just because they're they're not really getting the respect they deserve. Like that's really the only reason they're not they're going to win the division, but they're still a dark horse because they're not going to get any sort of praise or respect as a championship level team, and they very well could be. Now, like I said, I think the Chiefs definitely win that Super Bowl if it is them versus the Seahawks. If it was the Bills and the Seahawks, though, I think we have a repeat of what we just saw this past week. I think the I think the most interesting matchup that we could possibly have would honestly be the Steelers and the Packers, because we obviously saw that, what, a decade ago now almost? And it would be Aaron Rodgers versus Big Ben, you know, many, many years later. And it would be a very fun game of football, because it would be two teams that are very different from each other, one team that is the best run-stopping defense in the league, and one team that is one of the worst run-stopping defenses. Very fascinating game of football, that would be. But I just don't see the Packers making it to the Super Bowl right now because their run defense, even even though the running game is bad in Seattle because they have so many injuries, they're still going to get chewed up by, you know, by Seattle somewhat, but especially, like, the Saints are going to chew them up on the ground. I would imagine Tampa would probably chew them up. It would just be a poor, poor outing for them if they play a team with a good running back, and they probably will. Now, my MVP, my mid- I'm not even going to do predictions, I'm just going to do midseason. My midseason MVP for the National Football League right now, I like to look at most valuable player as the most valuable player, not the best player, because I feel like we kind of lose track of what that award really says and what it really means. The MVP necessarily isn't the best player; it's the most valuable player, as in you can have the second or third best season, but if you weren't on your team, your team would be terrible without. Like your your team would be terrible without you. I feel like Patrick Mahomes, if he was gone and they had, a, like, let's say they had someone on like the Case Keenum levels of like a really good backup, they would probably still finish about eight and eight, nine and seven seven and nine, somewhere in that like mid-tier range. I look at the Seahawks and I think without Russell Wilson, this is a team that could go five and 11 tomorrow. Like like next year, they could go five and 11 without Russell. So I think Russell Wilson is my mid-season MVP. He's just the most valuable player to any team in the league because if you don't have Russell Wilson on that Seahawks team, they're not going to be great. They're just not. Right now, we're looking at them like a potential contender. They're a division leader. They have a 6-2 record. They've beaten some really good teams. They've played some really good teams. And they're, dude, they're literally, like, only contending because they have Russell Wilson. Granted, they have a good receiving core for the first time, I think, since Russell's been there. They have a receiving core that I can trust. Because I feel like ever since Russell got there, they they really would only have one or two guys at the most. Now they have, because I believe they still have... um, Oh, what's that guy's name at tight end? They have a tight end that I really like. And then they have, obviously, Lockett, Metcalf. And, you know, on the ground, whenever Chris Carson's healthy, like, they finally have a team with weapons that I feel like I can trust for Russell. Much better, in my opinion, than, like, the trio of, like, what was it? Or the duo of, like, what was it? Sidney Rice or something and... It was like Sidney Rice, Percy Harvin, and Jermaine Curse or something like that. It was something weird. Sidney Rice probably wasn't on that team, but it was like Percy Harvin and Jermaine Curse were like the two best receivers or something at one point. Metcalf, I think, is a superstar receiver at this point. I think he's a guy that's going to be, a you know, an all-time... Not an all-time, but in this era, he's going to be one of the greatest receivers that we see because he's such an athletic freak, and he's really learned how to be a route runner, how to be a sure-handed catcher, how to be like he's he's clearly developing as a wide receiver and not just as an athlete anymore cuz out of college he was just an athlete. Now he's actually a wide receiver. Um I would say my coach of the year right now I have two picks really. My coach of the year is either Mike Tomlin or Frank Reich. Now I am a Colts fan. Frank Reich might sound biased. <laughs> Frank Reich is literally taking a football team that hardly has that much talent on it. Like if you look at the Colts roster up and down, you're gonna ask who is this for everybody that's not a first or sometimes a second string start like player. If they're not a starter or a, or the you know main backup, you're probably not gonna know who they are, even if you're a diehard football fan. Yet the Colts. Are still a team that's that's vying for a divisional championship. Like they're like they might win the division despite this, which is what's so impressive about them to me. But I think it has to be Mike Tomlin though, because this is a football team that went from the years past of Big Ben, Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell, and this amazing trio on offense that was dominating people with their offense. They lose Levy on. They lose Antonio Brown. They have the injury to Big Ben last year. They still stayed relevant despite it because Mike Tomlin's defense was so good. And really, this is a team that they drafted T.J. Watt. They bring in, you know, really good young linebackers in the draft. Like they did. They did that a few times. Then you lose Devin Bush to injury. You go out and get Avery Williamson, who is the biggest. Who, in my opinion, is the luckiest man of the the year already. He's going to win that award at the end of the year, even though it's only midseason. Because this man went from the Jets to the Steelers. He went from the worst team in the league to the best team in the league. Like that. But we get the sense that really Mike Tomlin has been drafting. Has been helping them draft. And, you know, developing these young players to be good draft picks. Like, he's been doing it so well he like tj watt on paper looked like a good potentially great linebacker and now he's fantastic and their runs their their ability to stop the run like their front seven is the best in the league like the way that they play together steve stefan to it was just one of those like really good but nothing special defensive like one of those one of those defensive tackles that didn't really, like, become a household name. Like, he wasn't one of those defensive linemen that you're going to look at on the same level as an Aaron Donald, a J.J. Watt, a Khalil Mack. He wasn't on that level of, like, okay, we have to worry about this guy. He wasn't even on the level of, like, a Kenny Clark, of, like, a guy that people don't really know about as, like, a household name, but they talk about if they're a football fan. I mean, this dude... To it just became the best, one of the best run-stuffing tackles in the league like that. It's like he just, he got so much better so much, like so fast. And it was impressive to watch. I just, I just, I really, I look at the, I look at the Steelers and I look at a team that has been just so well-coached. So Mike Tallman has to be the mid-season coach of the year. Now for the mid-season... Um, worst player in the league, um, Sandejo, Sendejo, Sandejo, that dude from the Browns, I believe, is, like, the worst defensive player that we've seen in years. Um, for the best player in the league, we obviously said Russell Wilson should be that guy as the MVP. I think the best player in the league is still Padre Mahomes, though he's just not the MVP because I feel like his team would do better than the Seahawks. You know, you get my point there. I think the worst, I mean... I think the the midseason award for come or the the award for comeback player of the year is obviously gonna go to Alex Smith. The award should fucking be named after him at this point. The dude literally had a military grade injury, came back a little bit less than two years later and threw a touchdown pass. I don't I think the award for rookie of the year as of right now. I've seen the argument that it should be Chase Claypool. I don't know if it should because Chase Claypool's kind of just being put in. He's kind of in the right place at the right time. I don't. I don't really think I've ever. Se- I don't really think I've seen him do anything too extraordinary. They just ran really good plays, and he's just doing his, what he should. He's just doing his job. I think Rookie of the Year should be Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow is playing his ass off for a with a terrible team around him. And just going in this year, the dude's statistics are going to be nuts. He's going to be one of the highest yardage marks for a rookie ever, regardless, because the dude is playing out of his mind with n- almost no help. Then in terms of the most unappreciated rookie, or the most un- not unappreciated rookie, just most unappreciated player in the league, he is a rookie. I believe his name's Josh, but Robinson, the running back for the Jaguars. This guy, undrafted rookie. Nobody really knew about him. In the in minicamp and whatnot, he sort of just earned his spot as the Jaguars' number one running back. Obviously, they let Leonard Fournette go. TJ Eldon went a couple years ago. They let Leonard Fournette go this year. They had to start over at running back, and the first option, I think, to a lot of people was going to be free agency, but really what they did was they picked up Robinson, and they picked up Chris Thompson. Now, Chris Thompson's not really a runner. He's really a wide receiver that's just been coached and trained to come out of the backfield. And with those two as, like, their main pickups, they've... You know, built this little duo back there, and then obviously LaVisca Chenault, their rookie wide receiver, can also line up in the backfield, you know, pretty efficiently and pretty well. They've built this little group of guys that can really be dynamic in their own way, and Robinson is just a perfect running back. I believe he's like 5'9", 210, runs hard, runs with power, bump and run type of guy, doesn't want to go down gets chunk yardage, finds the gaps, makes the right moves, doesn't do anything extraordinary. And the dude went undrafted and he came out of nowhere. And because he came out of nowhere, no one expected him. So no one really knew his name. And people still, people are still sleeping on him as a player. People need to recognize this dude is one of the best running backs in the league right now this season. Like He's having a phenomenal year. I don't believe he's in the... Yeah, he's not in the top five, like, rushing yards category just yet. Which, obviously, Derrick Henry and Dalvin Cook running away with that right now. But Robinson is absolutely playing like a top ten running back in the NFL this year. At least from what I've seen of him. Now, statistically, maybe not, but from whenever I see him play... He doesn't look like an undrafted rookie. He looks like a guy that could have been a first-round pick. He just runs hard, and their offensive line, it's good, not great in in Jacksonville. So he's running hard behind a group of guys that really just have to trust him, or that he has to trust, I mean. And he has to trust a group of guys that a lot of people probably wouldn't trust that well, and he's just playing so good. I think he's going to have that, because I believe Arian Foster, if he didn't go undrafted, he was a I think he went undrafted, He was the kind of guy that just ran hard, very smart, you know, didn't do anything extraordinary as an athlete, didn't do anything extraordinary play by play, but he 100% was just consistent. He would have five, six yard gains pretty much every run, you know, that he could. Even if he gets like a blown up play, he'll still fall forward. So it's not so bad, yada, yada, yada. They would do stuff, right? And Robinson is definitely that kind of guy. I really like him, and I think he's the most underappreciated player in the league this year because he just doesn't get the credit for being that kind of guy. He is that kind of guy. He's a great runner. He's a a very, you know, powerful guy. And I just, I I think he he definitely would deserve that award if they actually gave it out. Um, For the NFL talk, I guess that's about all I have to really say about the NFL. I mean... As for this first episode, I mean, we're just talking about some mid-season stuff. I think I'm going to definitely touch on the NFL games from this upcoming weekend next time that I do a podcast or next time that I do an episode of this. Talk about some of that stuff and just see what's going on in the league. I don't want to talk about the NFL every time that I do one, though, because I feel like a lot of people, a lot of people in journalism that are in the media that talk about the NFL every single week there's a lot of weeks where they literally just have to say the exact same thing that they said the week before, because there's nothing new to learn from a team that isn't like, let's say the Steelers win another game and they win another game. And it's almost the exact same style of game as the Cowboys game. No one is going to have anything new to say about the Steelers unless someone gets hurt unless someone new comes onto the scene, unless something crazy happens, there's going to be nothing new to say about them. So, I'll probably try to make it where it's kind of like every 2 or 3 weeks. I'll probably or every, you know, month maybe I'll, I'll talk about, you know, the NFL and how it's been going. I want to end this episode with a little bit of um UFC talk because the UFC has been very very fascinating lately. Kind of give my thoughts on the situation right now with with a few different fighters. Um the first deal being with this really the, all these rumors about conor mcgregor coming back i'm just gonna say my opinion on it i don't think he fights again until the summer of 2021 i don't think it, I, I, I think it all falls through with this current like push to fight poirier i don't think it works out do i want to see it work out absolutely do i think poirier has a great shot of winning yes do i think conor does win though yeah probably but i think it all i think it'll fall through somehow one way or another um about Khabib's retirement, I'll just say this, I love Khabib. The way he went out was beautiful. I knew he wasn't going to be the same man without his father, and he clearly isn't. And I I I like going into the fight, one of my questions was how is Khabib going to fight without the man that literally taught him how to fight, without the man that has coached him his his entire life since he was 6 years old and he or 5 years old, I believe, and he first started fighting and he first started training the man that has literally led him through this journey his entire life, he doesn't have that man anymore. And he's not going to be the same without him. And no matter how hard the guys like Javier Mendez and the guys at AKA tried, he just wasn't going to have that fire in him anymore like he used to. And I think he had the fight with Justin, and he realized in the fight that he realized at some point in the fight that he just doesn't like hurting people if he doesn't have his dad there. He doesn't like being a fighter without his father. His his father was his like every every fighter has a reason, has a motivation, has a drive, has a passion for whatever reason they have a passion to do it. His dad kind of encompassed what was his passion. You know, it kind of was a figure for his passion. It kind of was an example of his passion. He doesn't have that father figure anymore. He doesn't have that passion anymore. Dana White wants to say that he's gonna come back and fight again. I don't think there's any chance of that. I don't think there's any hope of that. I know 30 0 would be cool. I know a big win over George Saint Pierre would be amazing. I know another I know another win over McGregor would be good for his record, but I don't think it's I don't think it's necessary at this point. Then we look at here's the other one is Anderson Silva's retirement or suspected retirement. He's going to fight again. It's not going to be for the UFC, obviously. Bellator doesn't want him. I think the next option would absolutely be one FC or one championship. And if it's not them, he probably goes back to Japan and fights in Ryzen. And I feel like he can win the major championship in all of those. I don't think he wins it in Bellator. People want to argue that he would absolutely beat Gegard Musashi. I don't think that he would at this point. But I think he absolutely wins one FC's and um, Ryzen's championships. Um then there's the upcoming fight between Jan Blakovich and Israel Adesanya which is obviously a middleweight trying to be a two division champion. I like that I like the move for Adesanya because he's really beaten every he's beaten literally everybody that you can beat that's currently a contender in the middleweight division. Besides, I guess, it's Hermanson and it's Cannoneer. Those are the two people that he hasn't beaten. But obviously, Cannoneer loses to Whitaker, which ruins that. And Hermanson, you know, lost to Cannoneer. So I feel like they kind of had this weird stretch where it was going to be Jack Hermanson, then he lost to Cannoneer. Then Cannoneer loses to Whitaker. And it, unfortunately for Izzy... It all fell back into Whitaker's lap to get another title shot, and I understand why he wouldn't take it. I feel like if Cannoneer would have beaten Whitaker, that would have been the fight that they would have made. Like, I I can almost guarantee that would have been the fight they would have made. But also, now that Jan Bukovic is a light heavyweight champ, Izzy knows he has an easier fight than if he fought John Jones, or if he fought Daniel Cormier, or if he fought... Hell, even if he ended up having to fight, you know, Dominic Reyes, I feel like he would rather fight Jan Bukovic than any of them. So that's part of the reason why he did it. Now, for a prediction on that fight, I think Izzy definitely, you know, definitely wins that fight, but I would not count Bukovic out at all. Now, for the um, other fight news, I mean... Rafael dos Sanjos versus Paul Felder being made on five days' notice. It was literally just yesterday that Paul Felder took the fight, and obviously he you know the fight's Saturday and he's still gotta make 155 pounds. That's a fight that I know for a fact Hafeldo Sanjos is gonna do really, really well in, but I don't know if he's gonna win. It's gonna be a great fight, though. Um Like there's so many divisions right now in the UFC because of COVID like Amanda Nunes had had a title defense against Megan Anderson that just got you know postponed the Garbrandt Figueiredo fight got postponed because obviously Garbrandt had an injury they're kind of in a bad way right now because of covid like they've had a really bad stretch and and injuries as well they've had a really bad stretch like they they definitely need another big fight to happen soon because after the I guess after Khabib Gechi, they kind of had nothing in the works until they announced Adesanya Blakovich. But Adesanya Blakovich is only as popular as Adesanya is because Blakovich is still not a superstar by any means. So I, I, I'm excited. I would say I'm very excited for the UFC's you know near future. I think there's going to be a big event. You know, I think 2021 summer event, especially. Oh my lord! Especially if the UFC does run McGregor Poirier in January or February, the event on International Fight Week, even if there is still COVID in 2021, the event on International Fight Week is going to be probably McGregor versus whoever gets built up as the next contender or McGregor going up to welterweight and trying to win his third division's title. It'll be awesome. It'll be great. I think that's what we're going to see, and I'm so excited for it. Um, I guess I could talk about boxing a little bit too cuz boxing right now I mean we obviously have Kell Kel Brook and Terence Crawford are about to fight that'll be fun Um personally I think Usyk the um you know Ukrainian cruiserweight he's at heavyweight now he looks like a small heavyweight but I really hope he you know continues to get a little bit bigger and can continue to win and can continue to succeed at heavyweight because I really want to see him Get to a level where we can see this former cruiserweight champ. Or I guess current cruiserweight champ. In a realm where he can compete with a guy like Anthony Joshua. Or a guy like Tyson Fury. Or a guy like Deontay Wilder. And have these amazing mega fights. And I also do want to see Fury and Joshua have a fight at some point. Um, Or Joshua Wilder still. Those are the two fights to make that they haven't been able to make yet. And I would love both of them. So... I guess I could talk about the NBA as well a little bit before I wrap this up. The NBA right now, the biggest rumor going around is, I mean, first off, congratulations to the Lakers. The second thing is obviously the rumor of Chris Paul to the Suns. Love that move. Chris Paul is the perfect point guard to play alongside Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton. They need a great point guard or else they're not going to succeed. Devin Booker had to play some point guard before for that team and it just did not work out he's not a point guard he's a shooting guard or even a small forward in a small ball lineup um so I love that move I think for the NBA though that's really I I don't agree with the decision to start in December I think they should have started in maybe not February they could have met in the middle though and started in like mid-January I would have preferred it, though, if they would have started after the NFL season ended because I don't want them to be conflicting because they always end up conflicting at some point, And now they're going to be conflicting really bad because it's going to be like opening games happening in the thick of the NFL season as opposed to in the part of the NFL season where you can kind of miss a game here and there if you really felt like it. But I don't know. I think I mean, starting right after the NFL season would have been really, really good, but they would have had to shorten the season even more than they wanted to. So I guess I understand why they didn't. But I would have started it sometime in, like, early to mid-January instead of late December. Just give them a few more weeks. Because free agency is not going to be really much of a thing this year because of it. Like, it's going to suck. And it's going to be a really tough year. Um, is there anything else to talk about? I mean, soccer, obviously, if you're a soccer fan, football. football um, The Premier League is just another year where Liverpool are going to probably win it all. At the time of recording this, I'm recording this, you know, in the middle of the day on November um, 11th. And you know what? Joe Gomez went down with an injury in practice, and that's going to hurt them a lot. Luckily, they have some good young, you know, defenders that can really help Virgil. You know, and they can really get some work done. But yeah, we're... um, I think that's going to be it for this one. Um, I hope to have some interviews and some special guests at some point on this show. And I do want to talk extensively about... I mean, the NFL and the NBA are going to be ones that I talk about a lot. I think UFC and boxing are going to be the two that I really do, like, extensive, you know, one-topic episodes on, especially the UFC because there's a lot to talk about after a UFC event. It's like the NFL will probably get a lot of shine whenever I do. I guess it's just whatever is in in season. But it'll probably be the NFL that gets a lot of shine for the time being. Whenever I do like a multi-topic episode. Because it's going to be the main thing. Now obviously whenever there's big news I'm going to talk about that. I'm not going to talk about politics or anything like that in this. But I will mention it now because it does affect the NFL. Not just the NFL, just sports in general a lot. Trump being voted out. Regardless of your opinion on everything, if you're a sports fan, even if you're a Trump supporter, you know that Trump has kind of been detrimental to the, I guess, to the fabric of what sports are because he kind of he kind of berates and belittles athletes almost daily. It's it felt like for a while there, it felt like it was almost daily. It's just like there's always athletes that he's getting onto. He got onto the NFL for the whole you know protest of the flag and everything. Just let them be. They're not your people to really get... You know, they're, they're, su- they're such rich, unique people that you... Re- like, They're they're in a very unique line of work, and they're so rich that you're not going to really stop anybody from feeling a certain way as a country if you get onto them for what they're doing. Yes, they have a voice, and yes, they have power, but it's not like you can influence that kind of person at this point. Regardless of all that though, regardless of your politics, regardless of who you support, it's it's a good win, I think, for sports that Biden's in the that's Biden that Biden was the president elect because he's a very the you know like I said, Trump was just very negative towards athletes for the most part of his term. Um but I'm not gonna talk about politics too much on this show, hopefully. Um you know, hopefully politics don't become that big of a deal in sports. I hope to not talk about Anything that I'm too ignorant on in this show because I really just want to talk about what I know about and what I want to talk about. I'll probably do, um, whenever it comes to esports, because I do want to talk about esports, I definitely want to put them into like the weekly wrap up or like the weekly conversation or, or like bi weekly conversation or however long I can, however often I can make them. I want to put them into these kind of conversations where it's just everything that happened recently into one conversation. And I also do really want to talk about esports extensively as like its own thing, like on its own episodes, because I feel like that way, if you're a sports fan, you don't want to care about esports. You don't have to listen to those ones. You don't have to hear about them. And I will put at the end of this episode, because a, I think it's a fitting way to end it, because um, I don't think I'd be able to talk about anything else after this. Um, rest in peace to Pharaoh, the um, Florida Mutineers Call the Duty League player passed away at the age of 21 way too young one of the most like one of the most talented players in the league one of the most underappreciated players last year a guy that at 18 he was in world war ii and he was dominant in call of duty world war ii at times he was just one of the best players in the entire league obviously bo4 had a down year and then what a comeback year he had in Modern Warfare. You know, just became one of the better players for his team so fast. And Pharaoh's a guy that will absolutely be missed. Um Just a sad, sad story. A guy that had a long future ahead of him that, you know, it's just a shame to see that he won't be able to fulfill it. And, you know, as a fan of the Call of Duty League and as a, you know, as someone who hopes to one day potentially be a pro or at least an amateur, you know, I love you as a... I loved watching you, and I love your contributions. And I'm, you know, my heart goes out and my prayers go out to the family and to his teammates and all his friends. Um, rest in peace, Pharaoh. Um, and that's gonna be it for the first episode, a somber note, but the first episode of the most valuable podcast and a podcast where, like I said, I hope to talk about sports and really just dive in to whatever I feel like I want to, you know, watch or, you know, talk about in sports. Um, it's been very, very good for me to just ramble on a little bit today. Just, you know, have a little bit of a time to just ramble and just talk about whatever the heck, um, As I, I mean, this way, I don't feel like a lunatic as I so often do. I just sit around and just talk to myself about whatever. Now I actually have a reason to do it. Um, We, we, now we can sort of, you know, get this thing, get the ball rolling and keep it going. Um, and yeah, I mean, I'm excited to see how this podcast goes and hope you guys enjoyed listening. I have been Smitty and I will see you or talk to you on the next one. Peace.